Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey there, and welcome to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. I am Brenda, the HR lady, and I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. If you're a returning listener, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for coming back for yet another episode. And if you are a first-time listener, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am here to share with you the strategic and the tactical HR knowledge so that you can master the what and the how in this field because it's crazy right now. And I'm in the human business and that means that there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. And this is another crazy year, crazy, crazy year, but not one that is full of as much uncertainty as we've had in the back in the past. And as we inch towards a return to normalization, keep this in mind. Don't be marginally happy. Your success and achievements begin and end with you. If you want to be successful in this field, give to never receive in this business, but invest in yourself to keep the balance and build a strong working relationship with your company leaders and with your employees. All right. So do me a favor, folks. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please hop over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and please rate us a five-star rating. I know that there's a lot of really good folks out there like you who are looking for information like this, and strong ratings help them find this. And we give out a lot of really great information, so I'm just here to help. And you can also find really great nuggets of information on my social platforms. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Clubhouse, especially by searching for Brenda the HR Lady. And over on LinkedIn, you can find me by my name, Brenda Neckbottom. All right, so today we're going to do something a little fun. We're going to do a little, little fun. We're going to combine employment law changes that are happening across the nation and mush them in with the main segment at the same time. So basically, you guys know that I have been talking about Clubhouse now for some time, and and I'm on there several times out of the week. So this is what I did. I got a little creative. I got a little sneaky. And I, you can't record anything on Clubhouse, right? Because, you know, there's all sorts of recording laws and stuff like that. You, You know, some states, you have to have permission from both parties to record whatever, And you know what? I skipped everybody else. But what I did is I actually, when I speak, I sit with earbuds in my ears and I actually run Clubhouse off my iPad. And I sit here just talking into my microphone while I'm talking to everybody else. So I've started recording these little snippets of information and I decided how fun would that be to mush them together. So what you're going to learn today is what I talk about over in Clubhouse on a regular basis. And uh, before I forget, because I will, that the information that is available in this podcast is formational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respect to any particular issue that you may be having. And if you don't have an employment attorney, you may contact me and I may refer to one to you through our affiliates program and our friends over at Jackson Lewis. I had to get it in. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> 
So the snippets are pretty cool. What you won't hear is you won't hear the people's response, but you'll actually hear me doing kind of that one-way dialogue. So you get to hear some of the stuff that I talk about on a regular basis and not to mention it's going to help you guys out as well. So there's a lot of really cool stuff that's going on. Um, let's see. I just want to make sure before we move on to the segment that I got everything else. Yes, I think we did. Oh, no, I didn't. Um, I, there's one announcement I want to make up front because I know I typically do announcements towards the back one. But this one I want to tell you guys about. Every So I've been sitting here trying to rack my brain about, not trying to rack my brain. I have been racking my brain about what is going on with the talent crisis right now? And I really believe firmly in my heart that we are in a talent crisis right now. It's hard to find people to do the jobs that we need them to do for a couple reasons. Number one, yes, we do know that there is a decline in talent that is available. So skill set is not as prevalent with up and coming generations that we typically have relied on. Um, it's going to impact institutional knowledge and all that good stuff. However, it's also hard to find it because the market is so flooded right now with a large number of candidates. Some of those are because they have to do what they have to do in order to obtain their unemployment, but it's kind of all over the place. And so one of my solutions is to introduce job seekers to recruiters. And here's how I'm doing it. <laughs> this is so cool. I can't wait. All right, every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, between 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. And I know some of you are going to go like, ah, oh, dude, I don't have Clubhouse. But this is where we're doing it. We're doing it in Clubhouse. We're going to host a room. I'm going to host a room. If you go to Brenda, the HR lady recruits.com, Brenda, the HR lady recruits.com. You can sign up either as on the recruiting side or on the job seeker side. And here's how this is going to go. So we're going to bring everybody up who is an HR professional and a recruiter who have open positions. We're going to give you two minutes to pitch your company and and your job that you have open, one job at a time. If you have multiple, all you have to do is just DM me on Instagram because I'm going to be monitoring that and I'll get you into the rotation again. So we're going to bring you up on stage, give you a chance to pitch. Now, here's the cool part. You're probably sitting here thinking, well, how, how do I know who's a job seeker? And how will job seekers know who I am if they didn't catch me? When you go to brendathehrladyrecruits.com, as a recruiter, you go ahead and sign up, and that's actually going to give you a copy of the information that I'm collecting from job seekers. You also get to download a temporary profile that has either HR as HR person or an R as a recruiter. So that way, when we're in the room, people know who you are. And you won't be able to come up stage unless you have a one of the temporary one of the two temporary. Uh, profiles, right? Now, your job seekers are also going to be able to download a temporary profile pick, and that is JS for job seekers. So when you're in the room, because we do this often enough, it's going to build and it's going to get big, you'll be able to tell who's rec who's recruiting and who's searching, and it's awesome. Now, the job seekers over at BrendaTheHRLadyRecruits.com will also be able to, and you may, you, you may self may even be looking for a job, can go ahead and upload your information. What we're asking for is five things. We're asking for your name, 
We're asking for a link to your LinkedIn profile. We're asking for a link to your resume as online. We're asking you what industry you're in and what your um, contact information is. At the end of that session, we are going to send the list of everybody who put their information in over to the recruiters. Now, what's also cool is you don't have to wait for me. That's the neat part about this. Because while we're in the room and people can see who's a seeker and who's a recruiter, you guys can actually connect before the session even ends by DMing each other either on Twitter or on Instagram and get you guys set up. Now, how cool is that? I am so excited about it. So come find us Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to be in there for two hours, allowing people to go ahead and pitch the rooms. If we don't have a lot of people who are pitching the rooms, as a backup, I will go ahead and have job seekers come on up and they can go ahead and do a two-minute pitch on who they are, what they're looking for, and what their skill set is. So lots of really cool stuff. Lots of cool stuff happening. So excited about it. All right. See you in a few. There are approximately 2,500 members of the U.S. Special Operations Community who transition out of active duty military service every single year. The Honor Foundation has dedicated its mission to serving these elite individuals on their journey to prepare for life once they take off the uniform. In the past few years, we've begun our own journey to reach this number, launching three physical campuses in San Diego, California, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and near Wilmington, North Carolina along with a virtual campus to reach members of the community anywhere on the planet. I spent 26 years in the Special Operations community as a SEAL. I graduated from THS program, I served on the board of directors, and now I'm proud to lead this organization into the future to continue assisting these transitioning service members and their families. Our dedicated team, our world-class program, and our incredible tribes of supporters are standing by to help THF alumni and future fellows and are committed to providing the best possible support system and resources to better serve this community. Our vision for the Honor Foundation is clear, to impact every transitioning service member from the U.S. Special Operations Enterprise through our programs and support, and to be a catalyst for overhauling the entire DOD transition program. It's a big task, but the community deserves it, and we're driving full steam ahead to make this a reality. If you've been inspired with what the Honor Foundation's done in the last five years, I welcome you all to join us as we craft the next chapter in defining what it means to serve others with honor for life. I want to encourage you guys to go ahead and, and jump into the conversation today even more so than we have in the past. And if you've been in this room before, you'll know that there's a lot of really good juicy information that comes out. We may have Steve and Lisa jumping in as well. We'll see if they pop in. They're, they're people that I know and work with in, in the area here over in Virginia Beach and just absolutely fantastic folks. Lisa is actually a professor <clears throat> over at Regent University here in Virginia Beach area, and she actually teaches HR. Steve is, actually teaches over at the, you know, works to help people put through their PhD package, and they both teach at the master's levels as well, so they're good resources to tap into, especially for government contracting. All right, so first thing that we're gonna talk about, this is pretty juicy. We're gonna be looking at a lawsuit that has come through that alleges David, Ram David 
Dave Ramsey's company actually fired and disciplined an employee for having premarital sex. Holy cow, if that's not juicy, I don't know what it is. And basically, in the wake of filing in a new federal lawsuit <clears throat> against Dave Ramsey, who claims his employees were fired or disciplined for having premarital sex, there's a, a top personality in the company announced that he was actually le leaving for undisclosed, quote-unquote, things that are going on in his personal life. So, <laughs> well, that's the tickler right here. So, if you guys know of anybody who's got some HR issues going on in the workplace and their, their acquaintances and friends of yours on Clubhouse, please do me a favor, hit that plus symbol down below, start getting some people in here uh, because we're going to talk about some pretty juicy things. Also, if you have questions and I would love for you guys to get into the dialogue, make suggestions, let's share resources, share information, please raise your hand. I'm going to start getting you up onto the stage. Otherwise, you'll just sit here and listen to me the whole time and I'd like to hear what other people think about stuff too. All right, so we're going to continue with this. So Chris Hogan, who's been billed as one of the top personalities <clears throat> at Ramsey's Williamson County headquarters, released a YouTube video last Wednesday in which he announced that his departure is coming from the company. Now, this is also in a place, this is in Tennessee, just to let you know, all right? What he's saying is that he needs to, he quote unquote says, I need to let you all know about some things that are going on in my personal life. He said, recently it's come to light that I've done some things personally that are not in line with Ramsey's solutions. And as a result, I'm no longer a team member at Ramsey. Now, Hogan's announcement actually comes two days after the attorneys for Caitlin O'Connor, which is a former Ramsey employee, also filed requests for Hogan's personal file as part of an ongoing federal lawsuit as well. So O'Connor is actually suing Ramsey, saying that after four years of employment, she was unfairly terminated after becoming pregnant out of wedlock. That right there should raise the main flag, okay? And as part of O'Connor's filing, attorneys claim that eight Ramsey employees were actually disciplined for having premarital sex. In a motion last month to try and dismiss part of O'Connor's lawsuit, Attorneys for Dave Ramsey responded by writing he is a purveyor of biblically-based educational resources, prohibits employees from engaging in premarital sex, and the plaintiff's employees were actually terminated for violating this rule. So this is going to get really interesting. So the attorneys for Ramsey actually, of course, didn't respond to any, you know, requests for comment, and the company's public relations teams really have been kept quiet, which is normal. When there's a very publicized or even just any type of case that's going on for a company is that actually attorneys tell companies do not make open statements. <clears throat> if you want to make a statement, you have to run it through them More than likely they're going to go ahead and deny it, decline it. But this is exactly what happens when there is all sorts of different kinds of public hoo-ha that's going out in the world. Okay. All right. So let's see what else is going on here. So even though Hogan, so there's, there's some interviews that took place among some of the employees and some individuals are saying that in, in some situations they do, the company does cross a line that an employer really shouldn't cross. And while Hogan actually hasn't elaborated on what his personal issues are that led to his departure, um, apparently there are some painful personal events that his ex-wife has also taken as well. So, uh, let's see. Okay. So what's going on here? So a couple things. So the first case dealing with O'Connor, okay, um, that's that's a really interesting case. I, I don't know of too many companies that have actually terminated their employees 
for having premarital sex. However, the reason why she was terminated not wasn't so much because she had premarital sex is that she became pregnant out of wedlock. And so that, according to, depending, I mean, how do I want to say this? What I want to say is that depending on a person's view as it pertains to religion and somebody doing something outside of what a religion practices, could that mean that an employer can actually terminate for somebody based off of a religious belief? And that's very much a possibility. And here's the reason why I say that. A lot of people will say, well, it's none of their business. Well, okay, that makes sense. But here's something that took place years ago over in Chicago. That, And this is a very interesting case, actually, in Chicago. And I was very fascinated by it because because of its very nature. And what had happened is that there was a woman, it was a, a company, a Muslim-based company, and a woman who worked for the organization was non-Muslim. Matter of fact, I think she was Latino, if I remember correctly. So she was probably Catholic. Anyway, she showed up to work, <clears throat> and in her lunch, she had bacon. And one of the signs in the break room that stated that no pork was permitted in the building well, I don't know if she realized it or not, but she actually had bacon in her lunch. Somebody caught wind of it and reported her, and the company terminated her for a violation of their religious beliefs at work. So she turned it in suit, filed against the company, and she lost because, uh, because the company had established themselves not as a religious organization, but as a, or a faith-based organization, but an organization that operated based on certain religious principles that were from a bona fide religion. And so kind of a reverse of religious discrimination, ultimately what happened was it protected the company versus the employee. So normally when we, when, you know, when we talk about discrimination and we talk about things that happen with religious discrimination, we think of like the employees, the one that was aggrieved by the organization. And this one, this way, it was just the opposite. It was reversed. So because the company had posted it, they had communicated it, they just established it and expressed it as part of their operating values. She violated it and therefore was terminated. And the court actually uh, sided with the organization. So this is kind of an interesting case because that doesn't come up very often. It's very rarely in my 20 some odd years of doing this, have I actually seen a company take that stand that is not a religious organization or that is not a church or that is not a faith-based operation, right? A bona fide faith-based operation. So that's really interesting. And um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Now, here's the hard part. Some of you are probably going, like in your mind is like, okay, that's great. We got the religion side of it down. But what about the fact that pregnancy is also protected? So if she was terminated on, for becoming pregnant, regardless of whether it was in wedlock or out of wedlock, pregnancy is also protected as well. Now, my little bacon example doesn't cover this section of it, but is it possible that the organization could also... Um, have discriminated against the employee based off of pregnancy. So could this be a situation where both parties are right and both parties are wrong? 
And that's very, very possible. And I don't think that any of this is going to really shake its way out. I think it actually is going to have to be litigated and a determination is going to have to come out. So these are the kinds of things that, you know, if you're new to the field of human resources, um, these are the types of the really great cases that are going to help you like ramp up your knowledge about how things work out in the courts. And like something that I was taught years and years ago when I first started, oh, this big boy voice is on, sorry guys. Something that I learned years ago um, from an old HR manager, one of the companies that I work for, is that she says, you're gonna have to really, hey, stop, understand, <laughs> sorry folks, hey, enough, good boy. You're gonna have to really understand, He's going to argue with me. You're going to really have to uh, take, uh, you know, an understanding of what's going on, but then you have to figure out how you're going to apply it. How are you going to apply what you've learned to get the best outcome for, for the company? How does this work? So you have to read, understand, and apply. And that's kind of like the big trilogy right there, right? Read, understand, and apply. He's a puppy, 10 months old, and he's sassy. Uh, so this is one of the, <laughs> this is one of these cases that you're going to want to pay attention to because it's so obscure that it could actually, believe it or not, come up again. And it may very well set a precedence for, you know, other things that are happening out in the world. So this is going to be interesting. This is definitely one to watch for sure. All right. So. Look at that, man. We got some all kinds of people coming in here. It's great to see everybody. Love it. All right. So another case to watch out for. This is a big one. This is, this is, uh, this is, I think going to be a, for sure a landmark case and there's no doubt about it, but it pertains a lot to public law than it does the private sector. And the reason why I say that The reason why I say that is, uh, I'll give you some of the details here. So over in New Mexico, a, one of the detention centers, the Donna Anna County Detention Center in Las Cruces, New Mexico. I talked about this in my podcast this morning. And if you, if you don't know that I have a podcast, I have a show that's called the best practices in human resources podcast. You can find it on Apple Stitcher and over in, um, iHeartRadio. And what has happened is that this is one of the few detention centers, this is one of the few um, or employers that have actually mandated the vaccine. And it, it, there's a lot of companies that are actually not doing it <clears throat> because the, you know, the, all the mess that comes with it, all right? So you have to carve out exceptions for people with disabilities and for religious exemptions. Um, and that makes things very, very challenging because you're also battling against, uh, you know, the general duty clause over in, you know, OSHA to make sure that everybody has a safe work environment. So there's a lot of complexity to it. Anyway, so they went ahead and did it. And all their policies were great. Everything was well drafted, well communicated, but an employee actually challenged the mandate, not as, not under employment law, and this is where it really gets interesting, but they challenged it under the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, also known as the FDCA, 
And it appears to be really the kind of first court case that is challenging a vaccine mandate. And this is the reason why I'm saying we need to watch this. Because if this, if, if they go through on this, it sets a precedence. And this is what we refer to as landmark case, all right? So it's interesting to read some of the comments that are about this. And that's why I want to really kind of help you guys understand a little bit more why this is in place. Because this there's nothing to do with this just yet until it actually happens, all right? So basically, the gravamen of the complaint of the complaint actually filed the U.S. in the U.S. District Court for the District of New Mexico, and it is the detention center's uh, mandate is preempted by the FDCA, which means more specifically, the law alleges that the state action is preempted by federal law relative to emergency use authorizations. Now, if you remember, the FDA approved the COVID vaccine under the EUA, emergency use authorization. It did not get approved under the normal process that a drug would go through, which takes about three years at the very minimum, okay? So because the vaccine was approved under the EUA, federal law therefore dictates it cannot be mandated. So, on March 4th, <clears throat> uh, the, uh, the judge in the case actually denied a request for preliminary injunction because the employee who filed the complaint had not been harmed. That means that the employee actually still remains employed. So the issues raised uh, by the case should not actually d be dismissed by the state and the local government entities. As to the action taken by the state and the local government entities, preemption may actually provide a private cause of action, which means that because there is no issue of preemption when it comes to private sector employees, plus there's generally no private right of action or violation of the FDCA, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the cases are relevant to the private sector employers. So this is the one of the reasons why we really want to watch and see what's going on with this case, um, because if the employee wins, then now that means that we've got case law on the books, which means that whatever comes out of that means that we're going to have a hard time mandating, you know, the vaccine if that is, you know, the company's goal and agenda. So what, what's really fascinating about this case is, like I said, if you just popped in, you didn't hear everything. The challenge of this case isn't based off of under an employment law. This is actually under a, another federal mandate because it was pushed through under emergency youth, youth, ooh, yeah, youth, use. I can't say it. Emergency use authorizations because the vaccine was actually, uh, approved and according to federal law it dictates it therefore cannot be mandated so this is a prime example of what could be a landmark case on how we move forward and it has nothing to do with necessarily employment this impacts everything because a lot of the a lot of people are actually making comments about like well if i have employees that travel and they have to get on a plane and all of a sudden the airlines mandate that you have to have a vaccine to get on the plane the airlines would have the same exact problems, the same exact challenges to overcome with mandating a vaccine to get past religious discrimination and to get back past disability with discrimination, right? So, and then you also have a population of people who aren't confident enough to actually take the vaccine as well. There's some people that want to hold off, right? But then there's, then there's companies that are requiring it. So, so there's many shades of gray in this whole scenario when it comes to the vaccine. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of risk factors. So, you know, employers who are actually considering mandating the vaccines could have other factors to consider as well. Like, for instance, under what circumstances may employees seek an exemption as a reasonable accommodation? We just talked about that. Religion and disabilities are going to be the top two to overcome. 
okay? Employees actually may wish to consider pregnancy as well. And according to the Center of Disease Control, even though pregnant women are at a higher risk for serious illness, the data is very limited as to the safety of COVID-19 vaccinations for pregnant women. You know, other questions are like, what role will the employer play, if any, when determining who gets vaccinated with their, for their employees? And if the employer designates a pharmacy or a healthcare provider as opposed to allowing employees to actually elect on their own, the employer may be subject to greater restrictions under the American with Disabilities Act, at least based on some of the guidance from the EEO that came out, right? EEO, Equal Opportunity Commission that has come out. And by the way, the EEOC and OSHA still have yet to make a determination on anything other than making sure that people under the ADA and Title VII uh, are not being, their Title VII rights are not being violated. All right. And the White House is pushing very, very hard for this. They, they have, there's been a directive that has come out and pressure is being applied to the EEOC to actually make specific determination with exact instructions. And that is not happening fast, which I think is the right move to make because our infrastructure is so crazy with our laws, it prohibits that from happening. But I think this case actually could break that, could break that, that knot up. Okay. Also, other things to consider, how much information should the employer provide to the employees about the benefits of potential risks of vaccinations? I mean, we're not physicians. We're not scientific researchers. We only know what we read, and we all know that what we read sometimes isn't always accurate, right? So employers do want, they, you really want to make sure that you're not getting into the business of giving medical advice to your employees. Don't do that. That's bad. You know, consequently, like an employer is well advised to actually refrain from specifically defining the potential benefits and risks of the vaccine. All right. Employers may want to, you know, wish to provide links to public health authorities, such as the CDC, which is the best route that you could possibly take to put that information on and should encourage employees to go ahead and check with their own health care provider before actually making a, any decisions as to whether or not they should take the vaccine or not. That may not be a matter of public policy, but it really is a matter of good employer policy that's out. So this is something to watch. This is absolutely something to watch because I think this is what's going to help move some things forward, which is going to be really, really, really great. All right. So my next one, this is where I would really, really love to start having people come up on stage uh, sharing best practices, you know, sharing questions and concerns and see what we can do to help you guys out. All right. So the Center for CDC, like a first day with my new teeth here. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has actually updated its guidance re uh, regarding operational strategy for K through 12 schools. All right. And the goal is to aid the eventual return to in-person schooling on a full-time basis to re help reduce the spread of COVID-19. Um, now, I'm not talking about the school piece of it. I'm talking about how this is actually going to create another change in the work environment. And so we'll kind of go through this information a little bit, and then we'll talk about what I just mentioned in a second. So what the CDC is actually recommending is uh, changing its guidance on physical distancing, recommending that students can therefore be separated by a minimum of three feet rather than six feet. And in most instances, now in elementary school students, as well as middle and high school students in areas with low to moderate or substantial community transmission may be separated by only three feet in the classroom. So, uh, so that's what the CDC is now pushing out. Okay. So the CDC recommends that middle and high school students in areas of high community transmission be separated at least six feet if participating in a cohort is not possible. 
So the CDC continues to actually recommend spacing at least six feet between adults, faculty and staff, and between adults and students at times within the school building. And the CDC also recommends maintaining six feet of distance when masks cannot be worn, like, for instance, when students are eating in common areas and during activities when increased exhalation occurs, such as singing, shouting, band, sports, and exercise. All right. In addition to the CDC has removed its recommendation for physical barriers around student seating. Now, the CDC's guidance really is part of kind of this layered prevention strategy that includes five key elements in the CDC's considered essential to the safe delivery of in-person instruction to prevent COVID-19 transmission in the schools. And those strategies include universal and correct use of masks, physical distancing, hand washing, and respiratory etiquette, uh, cleaning and maintaining health facilities, and contact tracing in combination with isolation and quarantine. So <clears throat> going through all of this, right, and hearing what the CDC has planned for moving forward with helping to get students back into schools, which, you know, takes the burden off of your employees and puts the regular burden of having kids back in schools uh, a little bit closer, that's going to make a change as to <clears throat> return to work or work from home and return ready mindset as well, okay? So you really want to not so much look at things as a return to work. Let's start focusing on a return to ready, all right? And when you're taking on a more return to ready mindset, you're looking at things in a little bit different way. It's more of an abundant mindset rather than a limiting mindset. And some of the things that you want to look at when you're, when you're dealing with a potential return, uh, return ready is first off, you know, make sure that you're defining the workplace and what it is. Is it going to be, you know, people are going to be able to come back in full force? Is it going to be a hybrid or is it going to be com like, which is that combination? Or are you going to do a full on continue to work from home because, you know, that makes sense. These are the things that you're going to want to take into consideration too is compensation and cost. You know, what is that going to do to your bottom line? What kind of training do you need to put into place to make this effective? Uh, how are you going to communicate with your employees on a regular basis? <clears throat> you know, what kind of resilience and empathy are you going to have to continue to put out there? Um, you know, make sure that you're adopting that reopen ready language and culture. Is IT ready to continue taking on the challenge? And do they have the tools and the accessibility as well as what kind of policies do you have in place? Meaning, and we'll find out once this other case, this course cake gets ruled, you know, what kind of vaccine <clears throat> and uh, COVID policies that need to be adjusted, all right? Also, you're going to be looking at how do you re reorganize and establish, uh, you know, goals of the organization and how to keep people engaged as well. You know, there's, there's this, that's a lot to absorb, right? But one of the other things, too, is that now that kids are going to be able to go back home, and we know that a substantial number of women have actually been displaced or actually had to leave their work in order to go back and into the home and be that parent that has to ensure that their children are doing what it is that they're supposed to do on a regular basis as far as their education goes, this is now going to open up the gates for women to that lost their jobs or had to leave, um, you know, because of the COVID situation to come back into the workforce again. So we're going to get an emergence of a talent that's going to start opening up. <clears throat> In addition to that, you also may have a lot of women who are going to be reproaching you folks to say, hey, listen, I was wondering if there's any way I can get my job back. How are you guys going to handle those things? That This is right now the time to start thinking about that. And what I'd really like to do is to have you guys start coming up and maybe share some thoughts and ideas on 
how we can help each other think through that process because it may not be as cut and dry for some companies. There could be some individuals with some challenges out there for it. So while we're waiting for people to come up and raise their hands, and please do raise your hands, I'm going to give you a real, a little bit of a, a, a giggle, which is also really, really bad. Um, and it, it's kind of an amusing story, but it kind of isn't. Uh, and it's, it's certainly off topic from what we were talking about, but <clears throat> yeah, this is, holy cow, this is going to be interesting. So I came across this this morning and I just had to share this one. A Chicago weed company is at a center of a lawsuit over pot laced salad. I kid you not. And <clears throat> this is actually going to be an example as well on how we're going to see this continued clash between federal and state cannabis laws in the United States and how lawyers are actually finding a way to take advantage of it. So a lawsuit that involves a pot lace salad shows just how absurd the clash between federal and state cannabis laws in the United States can be and how lawyers, like I said, are finding a way to take advantage of it. The litigation in question emerged from an aftermath of last year's failed merger between Harvest Health and Recreational Incorporated and Verano Holdings Corporation, a former employee of Harvest, is now accusing Verano of racketeering as part of a plan to expand into new states. Ew, ew, ew. Uh, the specifics of the lawsuit filed on March 8th in the Colorado District Court are so convoluted. I cannot wait till you guys hear this. You'll need a flowchart to keep everything straight. Yes, there's only one in the complaint. But what's most interesting is a claim at the center of it all. So here it is. You ready? In June 2019, a Verano employee allegedly slipped, I kid you not, some clippings of the company's marijuana into salads purchased from Whole Foods, boarded a flight from Chicago to Memphis, Tennessee, and then drove the greens into Arkansas. <laughs> there, according to the suit, he used them to grow extract genetic clones of the mother plant in order to start growing marijuana in the state with harvest. Now, you probably sat there and was wondering, like, okay, who consumed it, right? Who consumed it? Who ate the salad <clears throat> and, and saw Casper the ghost, right? So federal law makes interstate transport of marijuana illegal, but companies that win licenses to cultivate it in new states typically need to bring in their genetic material to get it there to get started. After all, the strains of marijuana that companies grow with their unique THC levels and cannabinoids are actually part of their intellectual property. So Verano says that the allegations are completely and totally false and absurd and have turned and have turned an employee, excuse me, employment dispute into a sensationalized and image series of events aimed at the company like Verano with a proven track record of compliant operations. Regardless of the veracity of the claim, the alleged salad smuggling reveals a major problem for cannabis companies that seek to grow operations in new states. And this isn't a one-off situation. And there's a quote on this, that when a company finally gets one of these highly coveted mar uh, marijuana licenses, the first thing that they ask is, where do I get my seeds or starter plants? <clears throat> and unfortunately, the laws in most of the states actually don't account for that. So state agencies tend to bury their heads in the sand, and he says, and act like cannabis just magically disappears somewhere, and the, and the marijuana licensee essentially has no choice but to violate federal law. Remember, if you've, if you've been following me long enough, you've heard me say this, make this comment. 
that here in the United States, the government will put you in a position that says that you have to follow this law, but it will put you in a position to turn around and violate it just as well. This is a this is although a far left example of it, uh, or a far extreme and not left isn't political. I mean, just like far out in left field uh, example of it. <clears throat> So some states have actually tried to craft laws to account for such issues. In Pennsylvania, they allowed the growers to bring seeds or immature plants into the state within 30 days. And it goes on about all that stuff. But I just find it very interesting that an employee took clippings, put it in a salad that was purchased from, <laughs> from, oh my gosh, from Whole Foods, got on a flight, and then drove into Arkansas. I mean, seriously. I mean, when somebody goes, you know, have you been through security in an airport lately? I mean, they do test for this. They have sniff dogs everywhere. It's amazing. I mean, I've seen the sniff dogs all over the place. So I, you know, I've seen them in Chicago. I've seen them in Memphis. <laughs> I don't know how somebody wasn't doing their job. But anyway, but there you go. They, it, it, you've got an employee situation over there. So it's kind of interesting. <laughs> Take care of yourself. <laughs> this is my favorite segment, one of my favorite segments. You guys have to take care of yourself. And look, we're about ready to get back into the real world again. Thank goodness. But you know what? That just means one thing. We're going to be going through change yet again. And you know, it's not so bad that we're going through change. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that we're going through change frequently a lot of like big change compared to what we've been doing in the past and that impacts us it impacts our sleep impacts our stress levels impacts how we eat impacts our emotional status right impacts how we physically move or don't move there's a lot of stuff that's going on and all, we're just human beings and reacting to it okay and and rightfully so you it tears you down. It breaks you down. It wears you down. Okay. It knocks you down to the ground. And I mean, this is a pretty ugly world sometimes. And God Lord knows we've definitely seen it. And you have to do something that takes care of yourself. Move your body. Eat better. Take different supplements. There's so many different things that you can do. But the most, one of the most important things that you absolutely have to do is you have to recover every single day. You have to get rest and you have to recover. It is a huge focus of mine, all right? And I thought I would share with you why this is such a big deal. So I'll give you an example. I woke up this morning feeling like absolute garbage. I've been struggling with it all day long. I just kind of, I feel off my game. My stomach's been upset all day. But part of the reason why I feel the way I feel, I didn't get the appropriate recuperative sleep that I was supposed to have gotten last night, and I planned for it. My back was driving me crazy all night long. I, I just could not, could not get comfortable. It was just bothering the heck out of me. I kept waking up. Not to mention it was like, I don't know, 50 degrees and 60 mile an hour winds coming into the house. That didn't help either. But, but I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get comfortable. And I stretched, I took a hot shower. I, I mean, it just, it was, it was awful until I took a CBD gummy 
and I did did a little more dosage than I'm than I normally do, and it got everything to level out. Now that's my personal testimony. Now I'm a lightweight. Understand, I'm a real lightweight when it comes to medicine. So it just takes one gummy, which is 10 milligrams of CBD, TH-free CBD, and I was able to get a couple of hours of deeper sleep because my body was starting to come home, come down, and come home. Right? It 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 activated my cannabinoid system, and I got a little bit of pain relief. But most importantly, all of my receptors were starting to, to calm and chill, all right? So that's important, that recuperative sleep. If not, I would have just been all day long, just absolute. I would have had my fangs coming out. I didn't want to do that. So good example, right? Bad sleep equals not feeling very well the next day in your peak game. And I'm going to tell you, I really had to push through a lot. I had to put through a lot today just because... I am completely off. So take care of yourself. And if you'd like to learn more about what it is that I'm doing, you know, certainly follow me on the social platforms where, you know, I periodically share more information about what I'm up to. Um, I'm starting to learn about ketones. Matter of fact, I started taking those as well. And um, actually what I'm, what I started is getting uh, more B12 into my system. And that actually is starting to uh, repair my DNA, which is really great. And um, it has helped completely lift the brain fog that I've been that I've been dealing with lately. So <clears throat> lots of really good stuff coming down. And I'll share more about the ketone stuff. But or, you know what? If you guys are curious about you know what what kind of results I'm having and stuff like that, you know, go ahead and DM me. You can reach out to me at any point in time, and I'm more than happy to go ahead and explain and share that information with you. But something else I want you guys to focus in on, if you're, if you're a new listener or if you're new to HR, look, this is, I, this is the age of compliance. I'm convinced. As a matter of fact, I talk about this Tuesday in my Facebook Live, and I am convinced the age of compliance. We have to focus in on compliance because there's so much changing. And yes, diversity and inclusion is absolutely important. Uh, those softer skills that we like to focus in on, HR making things better in the organization, totally agree. I, I absolutely do not disagree with any of that. But I can see this coming a mile away. We have to get better at focusing in on compliance because we have a president who is demanding that of us, okay? And they're gonna make, and he's gonna make some things a little complicated. Now, this is not a slam on the president. Let's not go there. That absolutely is not his. This is this is based off of his true his statement, and he's already making moves on this. He has publicly come out and said that he is going to be the most labor focused president we've ever had in the United States. Well, guess what? That means compliance. And one of the things that you can do for yourself is pick up your copy of the best HR planner on the planet. It will help you with the basics. If you're new to HR and you don't know what to do and when to do it, pick this up. There's 60 pages of nothing but goodness in here that's going to help you figure out what you need to do, when you need to do it, and it's going to give you the vehicle to actually strategize on it. That's what HR strategy is about, is knowing what you need to do, when you need to do it, and being able to execute on it. All right. Now, there's nine more months of HR that needs to happen in the year, so don't worry that you didn't. You're still going to get January and February in there. Don't worry about that. But you're also going to get the other rest of the months too, and you'll be able to plan ahead, and it's pretty great. So we've got plenty of copies left. Look, stop floundering and start focusing. Grab your copy. How you do you do it? You go to brendathehrlady.com, click up shop at the top, and go ahead and put your order, and we'll get that out to you as soon as possible. 
Normally we do HR questions of the day. I'm actually going to uh, wave off on that this time uh, simply because I wanted you to really think and process about what we were doing with Clubhouse and uh, also want to make sure we get you extra time in the day to go in and register for the recruiting event with Clubhouse. Now you might be sitting here thinking like, oh my gosh, Brenda, I don't have an iPhone and I don't have an iPad. Well, okay, so I can't help you with that, but um, those phones, it looks out, more I'm hearing about it is that they're planning on opening the technology up to uh, to like the Google-based platforms and the Android platforms. I just don't know when it's gonna happen. But if you do have an iPhone and you do have an iPad, and this is something that, you know, like, hmm, I really need to check this out. My VIPs will be able to get access to Clubhouse through a, an invite from me. Now you're thinking like, oh, how do I become a VIP of Brenda's? Holy cow. My VIPs get the best of me all the time. And I have launched a new VIP program. And where you can become a VIP is simply by enrolling in the HR Resources site. The HR Resources site is a, is a treasure trove, literally, of information that will help keep you up to date with what is going on right now. And this is how you learn how to do this job, is you read, you absorb, you apply. You read, you and apply. You read and you apply. And the more you do that, the more you're going to be able to connect everything that's going together, right? Especially if you're going through your um, certification, your, your, your PHR or your SHRM CP. You read, you apply, <clears throat> and then you take these tests and it kind of helps you put all this stuff together if these real life situations aren't coming at you. So that's the first thing. You become a member. Now it's really easy. Again, you go to brendathehrlady.com, click up at the top, HR resource, and you subscribe. And the good news is, the real good news is that it costs you for one month less than what you spend for coffee in a week. And I do that on purpose because I know right now companies are not spending money on your development. And you're in that situation. You're in that seat where you can't not be developed. You can't not get up to date on what's going on. You can't not be in the dark because everybody's looking to you to do the job. I know I've been there. And if you don't know what's going on, you're going to feel like a fool. You're going to feel the pressure. You're going to be popping gummies left and right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but you're not going to feel really good about yourself because you just simply don't know. So the VIPs also have, so when you become a VIP, you actually get access to Clubhouse directly through me. That's a perk. And then we invite you also into a closed Facebook group. So can't wait to have you guys in here. So please, 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 please do yourself a favor. Invest in you. It's only $9 a month. I promise we invest in our hair. We invest in our nails. We invest in our eyebrows. We invest in our toes. We invest in waxing things, trimming things, shaping things down. You know what? Invest in your intelligence. Invest in your knowledge because that's going to take you farther than anything else. It really, really will. Because when you have the knowledge, then you get the experience. You get the experience, you get a better job. You get a better job, guess what? You get a better paycheck. That's how it works, especially if you're really, really, really driven. So 
We'd love to have you in the G in the VIP um, tent with us. It's a great time. So, folks, that's what I've got for you today. Thank you so very much. Love having you guys here. I'm super excited. Don't forget, sign up for Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday recruiting, and uh, we'll talk to you all later. Have a good one.